When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, if you've had a bladder leak today, listen up. I get it. I tried pills and pads for years but couldn't find relief until I found Axonics Therapy. It's a tiny device that put me back in control of my bladder. Why not see if it could work for you? Visit FindRealRelief.com. That's FindRealRelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonics is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to FindRealRelief.com. All right, guys, welcome back to the Sideline Podcast. Um, today's guest, I have Coach Hanson with me. Um, you know, it's funny. We're not too far away from each other. I was just thinking this just now. Uh, we've probably walked by each other before at some point or a clinic or something like that and not even known it. Um, but that's the power of social media. Like I keep saying, uh, it could be used for good or bad. And we chose the good side. This is the new way to meet people in this day and age and with COVID going on. Uh, but, Coach, I'm glad to have you. Um, if you want to introduce yourself to everybody. Sure, Coach. First of all, glad to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. So, yeah, my, my name is Scott Hansen. Um, I don't know how much you want to, to, to give as far as my background. I'm sure we're going to get into that. But I, I'm currently the outside receivers coach at the University of St. Francis in Joliet, Illinois. Uh, it's a position that I recently took uh, within the past year here. So excited to be on the show and, and answer the questions that you have and talk some ball. Yeah, thanks for being here. Um, you're going to have two of my old players, I believe. Uh, our quarterback at East Aurora last year, Orlando, signed to go there. And our uh, receiver, uh, Josh, he'll be there too, so you might have to coach him. Awesome. Uh, so he'll have two of my players. You better take good care of our boys. Absolutely. That's <laughs> the plan. I mean, obviously, we're just uh, – with with the COVID situation right now, we're, we're, um, we've just had some, some – I haven't been a part of the meetings, but the university has had meetings and, and the conference and the coaches and everything. And we're kind of uh, guys like me get information uh, on a need to know basis. So we're looking forward to getting involved in some off season stuff here very soon. And, and uh, yeah, your, your boys will be well taken care of. I assure you. Well, I was just happy for them to go to school. It's, you know, East Aurora is, it's not a bad place, but some of those kids, if they go to college, we can get them out of there. That's what we were doing. Uh, so that's cool. I have a little insight then. 
for them. Uh, but I'm always curious. Um, I want to know how you, did you get into coaching? Um, I tell people all the time, I wanted to coach since I was 16 years old. I knew right from the get-go that's what I wanted to do. So I was just curious on how you got into coaching. Was it just from playing? Was there a coach in your life that said, you know, I want to do what they're doing? Uh, you know, anything in life that drug you to this world that we live in? Well, it's, it's yeah, a combination of all of those things. So uh, I, I would be remiss to mention how, how much of an impact my playing career had on me getting into coaching. But it actually at one point was actually kind of a, a deterrent to me coaching. And I'll kind of explain that a little bit. So when I finished, so I, I played at St. Francis and Joliet as well. When I had finished uh, my career there, my body was destroyed. Uh, my, my, um, I was kind of a, on, a, on an emotional down a little bit just because I wasn't really happy with the way uh, my career ended, so to speak. And so by the time I finished school and got into the real world, I had gone to St. Francis to get into education and, you know, looking for a teaching job and this and that and the other. Um, there, I can remember a time before I graduated college that I said I wanted to be a college football coach. And I think that kind of went by the wayside a little bit just with my overall feeling about how I finished up as a player. I mean, football, football's as it is for most of us, was a huge part of my life as a player for a long time. And when your playing career ends, you're kind of in that uh, situation where you're not really sure what you're going to do next. And, and regardless of how you look back on your playing career, you know, there's things, there, there's like moments you wish you could have back. So that was kind of uh, the way the situation was for me. Now, uh, I had been out of school and I had gotten my first teaching job in 2005. And by the time that school year had come to an end, you know, I, I, I started getting the, the itch again for football. I, I had always loved the game and, you know, you're, you're a fan to a certain extent, obviously, while you're a player and grow, going in, into adulthood, um, I, I honestly... I started looking at opportunities to get into coaching just because I, I wanted to be around the game again. I, I'm not going to, you know, tell you a, a, a story where I was really looking to give back to the community that gave so much to me. That really wasn't the case at first. It was a lot of uh, selfishness involved. And it, it was kind of like, you know, the game had done so much for me as a player that I, I wanted to, I wanted to get more out of it. So um, I, I went to, I went home for the summer and a neighbor of mine who was a couple of years behind me came over one day and he's like, Hey man, I don't know if you're interested, but uh, where we went to high school, which was Downers Grove North, he's like, they're, they, they're looking for coaches. I don't know if you're interested in coaching or anything like that. Um, and at the time, the, uh, a mentor of mine growing up, his name is John Wander. He was an assistant coach and he was uh, my offensive coordinator when I was in high school he had been promoted to head coach uh, since, you know, I had been out of school and it was his program and he was the guy who was looking for coaches. So, uh, you know, I thought to myself, Hey man, this is, this is the ticket right here. So I went and, and I talked to, to coach Wander and he had a freshman position open on the staff. So I ended up, uh, you know, it worked out. I, 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 he hired me to coach on the freshman B level. And the ir irony behind that is I actually ended up, the reason the position was open is because my freshman coach had stepped down. So I was actually replacing a guy that I had played for as a freshman, which was kind of wild to not only, you know, be back at my alma mater, uh, Downers North and, and to, 
work for a, a guy that I had played for and had a lot of respect for and was a mentor to me, but also to replace a guy uh, on the freshman level who actually had a, a tremendous impact on me as well. So um, really, really special situation. And I think at the time, it, it wasn't until a few years down the road that I really, really had an appreciation for not only the circumstance, but uh, my time there as well. So got in, uh, you know, low, low man on the totem pole, so to speak, freshman, freshman staff at the high school and uh, kind of went from there. Um, yeah, it's always great to go back and coach where you went to high school. I started the same way, um, but they had me up on the varsity right away. So I had to learn very quickly how that worked. Um, so I guess what's the difference between coaching like a varsity and a freshman level for some people? Like, do you think people should go through the freshman route or do what I did and get thrown right into the fire? Uh, got thrown in and was like, all right, I got to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think people should go through that freshman route first for the more, you know, just I about answer it for you. So do you think they need to go that route or just go straight to varsity? That's a great question. I, I don't know if they're, I, I see value to, to both. Now my, my personal experience of course, having so I, I was a quarterback, and obviously, us quarterbacks are know it alls. So, I think <laughs> having the experience that I had as a player and what I thought was a pretty good knowledge of the game, when I started coaching, I quickly realized that I really didn't know a whole lot. I mean, I might have known, and I think that's the interesting part about getting into coaching is you really have to change your brain from player mode to coach mode because it's really not the same and and it took me a little while to get that so I mean as far as answering your question I personally had a lot of value and I would not change a thing about my you know and entry level position into coaching as far as I don't know if I would have been able to handle uh, because number one the age gap so like when I started coaching what I was 25 years old so uh, I don't know if I would have been able to handle at that point, especially after only one year of, of real teaching under my belt, being able to um, have all the tools that I needed to successfully navigate on the varsity level. Uh, I think there was, for me, a lot of obviously learning that I had to do, but at the same time, it, it was, for me, really special because I was a freshman B team player. So to be able to come in on the freshman B team as a coach was, again, just a really special situation for me. It was kind of like starting all over again uh, with, with regard to uh, high school football. And, and, you know, I think there's you, you could find equal value in learning. A lot of people can be thrown into the fire and learn that way. Um, and, but I think for me personally, it was, it was a great experience and opportunity because I've, I've coached every, you know, every level of high school football. And I think the way that I did it was, was best for me. I mean, other people may have different opinions or stories about that, but I wouldn't change a thing about how it happened for me. Yeah. Uh, Cause I think we all think that I was 18 when I started coaching and we all think we know everything and yeah, I want to be the coordinator. I want to go straight to varsity. I just was an assistant to the assistant. So it was a little different, but yeah, we all think we know everything and how quickly we realize we don't know anything whatsoever. Uh, And I still don't know anything at all whatsoever. It never stops. Um, 
So have you always coached offense? Have you coached any defense? Um, was it always quarterbacks? Uh, talk about maybe some of your coach experiences after Downers Grove North. Um, where did you end up after that or different things you had to coach uh, throughout your career? Sure. So the great part about being at Downers North was the, the relative structure of the program as far as the coaches are concerned didn't change since when I was there as a player. So uh, I, 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 was, I finished my playing career in 97 and graduated in 98. And then when I came back in 2005, the structure of the program hadn't changed. And what I mean by that is all of our coaches coached a position group on both sides of the ball. So we had freshman level coaches, sophomore level coaches, and varsity level coaches. And each coach had a position group on both sides. So when I started coaching, uh, I did the same thing. For the five years I was at Downers North, I coached an offensive position and a defensive position. That was mainly we because of our offense, we grouped quarterbacks and running backs together. So I essentially had quarterbacks and running backs, and then I coached the defensive backs uh, for, for my time at Downers North. After that, um, the majority of my experience has been on the offensive side of the ball, but I, I did. Um, so after my five years at Downers North, um, I, I went um, for a variety of reasons. I was spent one year as the head freshman coach at Aurora Central Catholic, um, also coordinated the sophomore offense. So again, but we, we same kind of situation there. Our staff was relatively undersized. So we coached a position on both sides. So I ended up coaching defensive backs there as well to a certain degree. Um, and then I spent one year, my first like true varsity position coach job was at Oswego East. I had that position in 2011. Uh, I coached wideouts uh, and that was when you know, things started to kind of streamline a little bit for me. So I spent a year at Oswego East. Um, our head coach resigned and I ended up, uh, it was a situation where, so I'm a junior high teacher. I don't teach at the high school level. So in some ways it's more difficult to get coaching jobs or has been for me over the years. In some ways it's a little bit easier because, um, you know, I don't necessarily have to get hired in the building in order to be on staff, depending on how, how people are looking at hiring. So uh, I was able to, um, I should say I was unable to get a job. I, I searched for a bunch of teaching jobs in Oswego, District 308, uh, wasn't able to get one. So it was kind of like, well, it's going to be tough to go back to East not having a, a teaching job in place. I ended up being a sub that year and um, stepped away from Oswego East. I was hired um, in a full-time teaching position sort of uh, in, the, in the Burr Ridge area. And I spent one year, I was hired at Stag High School. I coached wide receivers there at the varsity level for one season. Uh, same kind of situation there. Ironically enough, our head coach stepped down after uh, the one season that I was there, and I was kind of on an island for a little while. Um, but the good news about where I was teaching was it was a feeder school to Hinsdale South. And so after, you know, uh, after looking around for a little bit. I had a friend who I was teaching with um, at the junior high and I had a friend at Hinsdale South High School who were both kind of like, hey man, we have, we have an opening here. Our DB's coach just stepped down. Uh, why don't you come and, and, and be a part of us? And so that's how things ended up falling into place for me at Hinsdale South. I was hired to coach varsity defensive backs. That was my first varsity experience on the defensive side of the ball and a great learning experience for me because you know, we, we, you've heard over and over and over again, people say, if you want to be the best coach you can be, you need to coach on both sides of the ball. If you grew up and played 
an offensive position, you need to coach defense and then vice versa, you know, because the, the experiences and insight that you have on one side of the ball are not only complementary to the other side of the ball, but you can learn so much on defense that maybe you didn't see the same way before because you had tunnel vision on, you know, on the offensive side of the ball. So um, spent one year as the defensive backs coach at Hinsdale South, our um, quarterbacks coach, left and took a different position at another school. So I um, was moved over to quarterbacks coach and I had been there coaching quarterbacks and um, calling the pass game for the past six years before my recent um, position that I took at St. Francis. So I've um, let me backtrack. Sorry about that. So I, when I was at Downers North, I coached on the freshman level for three years, sophomore level for one year, and then varsity level for one year as well. Soft, when I coached on the sophomore level, uh, one of the guys who I had, I had uh, actually played for as well kind of was trying to talk me into getting on the defensive side of the ball. So I was actually co-defensive coordinator for the sophomore level, which, again, was a great experience, really learning the ins and outs of defensive football. And, um, yeah, so that's that's kind of – where it's been. It's been here, there, and everywhere. Uh, it's been a year at this place and a year at this place. And then I kind of had some consistency with Hinsdale South over the last seven years. And, and to be honest with you, if it weren't for the opportunity to, to go back home to St. Francis and take a college uh, position, you know, I would still be at Hinsdale South right now. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with going all over the place. Some people think it might look bad, but at the end of the day, it's different. Uh, experiences. It's what's best for you and your family and everything else. I've kind of done the same thing. Um, and you kind of answered the question. One of the questions I was going to ask was how does coaching defense actually help somebody coach on offense? Um, if you want to talk more about that, we can. If not, you kind of answered it. Um, like how does coaching DBs help you with a quarterback game, like understanding what they're doing? Right. Well, if you, if you are a, if you're a wide receiver coach and let's say you, you play defensive back, but you're now coaching wideouts. Well, you have inside information on how the defensive back position is played, how it's taught, what the cues are, what the defensive backs' eyes are looking for when they're when they're um, going to break on certain things. So you have that information. You you be able to teach your wideouts. This is what's going to happen when you do this. And just the same thing on the other side of the ball. If you played wideout and now you're coaching DBs, well, you can coach your DBs from the wide receiver's perspective. This is what the wide receiver is thinking. Or if you coached quarterback or played quarterback, this is what the quarterback is thinking. Uh, so uh, you, you have that inside information that you can hopefully pass on to your players to give them that edge that, that they might need in certain situations. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I had a similar experience when I – was at my high school coaching for a couple of years. The head coach got fired. I went down to Charleston, Illinois. I was going to school at Eastern. I went to the brand new head coach and said, I want to coach. He asked me why I wanted to coach. I said, offense, defensive line. He said, okay, I'll let you know. Next day, he said, you're going to be assistant to the defensive coordinator, call defense for JV and coach linebackers. You're going to learn. And, you know, at first I was a brat and I was like, I don't want to coach defense. I don't want to do this. But I did it. I wouldn't change it for the world how defenses work I can tell an offense hey when they line up like this when this happens this is why they're doing it uh, so I actually think people need to coach both sides of the ball to learn everything about the game and not be so one alley minded they need to have a open mind about how everything works um, so yeah that, that's good to hear that someone else had to do that as well 
Um, so tell me how a passing game coordinator works at the high school level. Um, do you call the pass plays? Do you just tell the OC, hey, this is what's open? Because uh, it's funny, I'm going to Addison Trail, who is in the same conference as Hensdale uh, South. So you just left. You just left when I was getting hired. <laughs> um, but I'll be run game coordinator, so I understand how that works. I just want to hear, like, how does a passing game coordinator and an offensive coordinator work together? Like, how does that coincide with each other? Sure. So, I mean, I, I can't speak for everybody who has this situation. I know it's it's become relatively popular over maybe the last <laughs> decade or so, to especially at the college level, to have – you know, co-coordinators or whatever you want to call it. Some guy has the run game title and the other guy has the pass game title or, or, or um, you know, whatever. So the way it worked for us is we, Mike Berry, uh, my former head coach at Hinsdale South, he was the main play caller and he was responsible for the run game. And when I took over the controls, when, he, when Mike handed me the reins to call the pass game, um, it, it was essentially, this is, this is your deal. You have the the free reign to do all of the install to do all of the uh, game week prep to do all of the teaching during the week uh, game planning the past game he was completely hands off all things pass uh, and he trusted me to put together a game plan that was complementary to what we were trying to accomplish in the run game for the week and on game nights uh, it was you know, if Mike, he would call the run game, obviously from, from the field, I was up in the box and he would basically say, all right, Scott pass. And so I would have based on game plan down a distance situation and I would call it in and our, our guys on the field who were the signalers would call would, would signal it in. So uh, I know a, a lot of places do things a little bit differently. That's how we ran our show. And it, it was a very, uh, mutually respectful relationship between Mike and myself. Uh, I, I feel very blessed to have had that experience. And uh, it, it's, again, if it, if it weren't for, for uh, you know, going back to St. Francis to have the opportunity to coach at the college level, you know, I'd be going back to Enzel South and get ready for the upcoming season. So very special experience for me. And um, we, we, we were and now – we also had a great wide receiver coach, Dean Norman, who, who had a lot, added a lot of insight during the week um, based on film breakdown. Hey, we, need, we got this. We're, we're going to need to attack this. And obviously uh, our offensive line coach, Craig Conyer, is another super so – he, he gets a lot of credit – or I should say he doesn't get enough credit for what he does. He's also a special education teacher in the building. So his ability to maximize the, the level of understanding of our offensive line is, is second to none. So – you know, the four of us really had, uh, uh, we were all coordinators to some, to some degree, you know, game planning, uh, breaking down film, looking at, Hey, we got this, we got that during the course of the week. And then obviously on game nights, uh, but that's how we ran our show. You know, the, the, the past game was hundred percent mine. Um, and I, obviously I coached the quarterbacks as well. So it was, it was, um, I feel blessed to, to be trusted with that. And, uh, you know, we, we did some good things. We had some fun and, um, I look back at, at that time with, with fond memories. Yeah. Uh, I got brought on as run game coordinator in June, but with COVID going on, you know, we couldn't really do as much. So I was just wondering if it was the same thing. They said, you, I have to do the run plays that they want. And they said, you're going to block it the way you think it needs to be blocked during a game. <laughs> you're going to tell me what, 
what run games open. So I just assumed it was the same thing. I've never been called the run game coordinator. Um, cause I was offensive coordinator at Charleston for a couple of years and I didn't have any of that. It was all on me. So I never had that passing game coordinator, run game coordinator it was Steve, you do it all. Mm-hmm. You're going to install everything. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I kind of wish I had somebody like that to bring me down back to earth to tell me other things, but I was also 25 years old. So again, I got thrown into the, I always got thrown into the fire. Sure. Uh, and you know, again, I wouldn't change it for anything because now I understand how things work and how to go about things next time. Um, so what kind of uh, offense did you guys run at Hensdale South? And is it the type of offense that you would run if you ever got the opportunity to be a, a head coach or an offensive coordinator later on in your career? Great question. So during the so I was there for seven years, one, the first year I was on defense during the six years that I was on offense, our offense. It's winter time. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the service card appliance repair program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Sort of evolved just based on personnel and and what we were able to do and just kind of, you know, it's really fascinating. The more and more you think about it, you're playing essentially the same conference opponents every year. So everybody's got, you know, decades of film on you and everything so sooner or later you're gonna have to kind of evolve a little bit whether it's not necessarily in scheme but maybe you want to throw a couple of wrinkles in here or there so we actually started out as a I would call us like a a spread flex bone triple team but we put our quarterback in the pistol and we widened our slots a little bit so we still ran inside veer we ran outside veer we ran um, eventually ran midline Uh, we ran some jet sweep and passing game was was relatively simple. I mean, you're talking like smoke screens, bubble screens, quick game, hitches, slants, uh, four vertical game, and then um, a, a few play actions here and there with some boot concepts for our quarterback. But, um, you know, we eventually over time kind of moved to more of an inside zone, outside zone team. And so for, for us to, I guess, simplify a little bit, you know, I know people are going to hear this and they're going to think, well, you know, if, if your offensive line isn't maulers, then, you know, flex bone triple or inside veer, that's, that's going to be kind of the easiest uh, on your lineman. You don't have to block everybody and you got angles and gaps and everything like that. And that's true. Uh, but at the same time, we just found based on the ability that we had and, and kind of uh, after, after our 2015 season, we, we kind of, had guys who were like, I mean, especially in 2015, Sean McCormick, probably one of the most gifted quarterbacks I've ever coached. You know, he, he wasn't a, uh, he wasn't a flex bone triple quarterback to put it plainly. So we began to, to uh, look at and research some RPO game and we were able to uh, design uh, our offense around our quarterback who was more of a thrower than a runner. So I think we were, we were very dynamic and we, we were able to really, uh, evolve and adjust around our personnel. And we eventually got to the point where, you know, we became a zone read team instead of an inside veer team. And, and in some ways it's similar, in some ways it's different. And, and we just found that 
it, it was it was what was best for our kids and we had obviously you know this day and age you have more skill guys than you have linemen even if you have you know you got the the um the H back type kid who, you know, I think he's in some, in some degrees, you know, like a glorified fullback, but we would have that kid also play in the slot. So offensively we were able to, again, adjust to meet the needs of our personnel. And quite honestly, it, it was easy as the pass game coordinator to take the talent level that we had and, and um, you know, simplify the passing game to just let those kids go out there and make plays. Uh, as far as, as far as, type of offense I would run if I was coordinating it myself. So the fascinating part about being able to coach at the different places where I've been is each stop has been a little bit different in terms of offensive philosophy. So uh, obviously I played at Downers North and when I coached there, we were a split back veer team. Uh, the year that I spent at Aurora Central Catholic, we were a double wing buck sweep team. Uh, go to Oswego East, we were a single back pro style team. Uh, the year that I was at Stag, we were a true flex bone triple. Like you're talking about the service academies and, and when Paul Johnson was at Georgia Tech, true flex bone triple. So, and then uh, at Hinsdale South, it was, it was sort of a hybrid. I mean, we were, to, we were, you know, we had aspects of a spread offense and we had aspects of flex bone triple. So, and then over the years evolving into to more of a spread inside zone read with, with some RPO game, uh, I, I think – it allows you to, and especially to, to develop an overall understanding of different types of offenses kind of allows you to decide, Hey, you know, this is best for our personnel. If I was calling my own offense, uh, it would be very similar to what we did at Hinsdale South. Um, I'm, I'm a big, you know, formation shift motion kind of guy. So, um, incorporating those with the idea of, having some sort of zone run. I'm, I'm a big option guy over the years just because, uh, I, you know, I played in it. I've coached it. I think triple option when it's done correctly is one of the most difficult things to defend. It doesn't matter if you're doing it, you know, dive key pitch. It doesn't matter if you're throwing bubble screens and smoke screens. You know, obviously we've seen the, with the effect that the, the, the college game has had on the NFL now where not only are we seeing bits and pieces of the air raid in just about everybody's offense, but now when you have guys like Lamar Jackson and guys like, Pat Mahomes and guys like Deshaun Watson who can who can impact the game with their legs. And all I keep hearing over the years is, hey, you know, the, the triple option can't work in the NFL. Well, maybe not in the true sense of, you know, a flex bone triple or a split back veer. But when you imp implement aspects of triple, you know, obviously it, it has had success both at the high division one level and, and at the NFL level. So um, some form of option, some form of spread. And, and go from there and kind of manipulate the defense with formations and shifts. Uh, you, you hear nowadays less is more. So if you have, you cut down your, your run plays and pass plays to a few basic concepts and dress it up with formations and shifts and motions to, to try to get numbers and try to get defensive players out of position and, and get after it, try to go as fast as you can. I'm a big tempo guy as well. Um, so as long as we, you know, the defense can know what we're doing, we could tell them what the play is, but if we're going fast enough and if we're changing the picture, enough times sooner or later you're going to get confused and we're going to gash you so hope that hopefully that answers that question yeah um i am on another coach's podcast here and there and they were on mine as well and they keep i try to get them to uh sell the wing t on me they're big wing t guys and i'm still not convinced so i'm glad you were talking a little bit of spread option or spread spread game 
Uh, glad to hear that because I'm a spread guy. I love spreading the ball out. Um, but I like what you said about uh, people think if you have a certain type of offensive lineman, you can't do this, can't do that. Well, you can. You just have to adapt it. You know, if you have a small offensive line and you're on inside zone, you need more double teams instead of taking the guy on by yourself. But people don't want to look at it that way. So from coaching all these different offenses, what's your take on Twitter when we see guys bashing each other saying, you know, the wing tee sucks or the spread guys are soft? Because uh, I can't stand it. I just love offense. I don't like seeing this. So what's your take for when we see all of this? People getting huge arguments over this. Yeah. Uh, my take is it, 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 it's, it's similar to your belief system in anything else, whether it's your faith, whether it's politics, whether it's, you know, what, what fill in the blank, whatever you know and can teach, if you can teach it well and your kids can do it, it's going to be effective. I don't care if it's, you know, eye formation, ISO, counter toss. I don't care if it's single back, shotgun, inside zone, outside zone. I don't care if it's double wing. I, you know, they're, they're, the best offense is the one that is most effective. So if you're effective at running the wing tee, then that's the best offense for you. If your kids can do it, if you can teach it uh, and, and you can go out and execute it, then – you know, that, that's, that's great. I, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say, Hey, this offense is the best or whatever. It's, it's, it's number one, what do you, what are you knowledgeable in and what can you teach and what can your kids grasp? What can your kids do? Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I don't get into those arguments about, and I've seen, I see, and I follow guys as well who are, you know, that I think the, the hot thing nowadays is the, uh, knocking the air raid because when you get inside the tent or whatever, what are you going to do? But you know, I, I, if, if what you do works great. Um, so I think I, I actually, I'm, I'm, I'm in your boat, man. I, I appreciate offensive football for what it is. When I jump on the Xbox, I'm running triple baby. Like, let's go. I don't, I don't, uh, <laughs> it's, you look at you can let's just take the state of Illinois for example. Got Glenbard West, a, a perennial, you know, team who's going to vie for a state championship, still running power football, jet sweep, um, you know, stuff like that, and it works for them. And so, like, if it works, why would you change? It works for you if you know it and you can teach it and you can get the kids to execute and buy into what you're doing, and, and it's effective. You know, then. I don't understand why it has to be that. And that's the great thing about high school and college football is you have these different offenses and they can all be effective. Like if everybody ran the same thing, how boring is that? You know what I mean? So um, that, that's, that's my take on that, dude. You're, you're whatever you can run with, with success is, is great. Yeah. Uh, thanks for reminding me. We have to play the Lombard West this year. Um, thanks for reminding me of that. No oh, that's going to be fun. No problem. <laughs> uh, no, I agree. I, I just don't understand it. Cause I, I always tell people if I, if I'm going to go spread and I decide, okay, I want to do buck sweep, I'm going to go call a wing T guy and say, Hey, how do I block buck sweep and try to help out? If a guy, like I love air raid passing concepts. I think they could be put into any single offense because they're easy reads are very simple. If you're an under center guy and you want to have the air raid passing concepts, call a spread guy. They know like it, it all works together. Um, and you have to adapt to it. Like you said, the kids, like if you're an under center team that likes to run the ball, but you get a quarterback that comes in and can sling it and receivers that can catch it. Why not throw it more than what you used to? 
because uh, in high school we can't recruit. It's what what you get was what you get. So uh, I say when I see people don't adapt and say you have to do this, you have to do this. Well, what happens if you get a kid that can throw the ball? You know, and you don't throw the ball, they're going to leave. Mm-hmm. You know, today they kid will leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we were growing up, I don't think we would leave, but now the kids leave. Um, so uh, that's a good answer. Um, so how did you end up being a Florida Gators fan? <laughs> we live in Illinois. How did you end up being a Florida Gators fan? Uh, easy. So when I started playing peewee, um, I, I, I flipped on the TV and started. This is my, my, I mean, to make a long story as short as possible, my infatuation with the game of football uh, came on relatively late in, in childhood. Okay, I was a late bloomer in terms of um, wanting to watch the game, learn about the game, play the game. So when I started playing peewee, uh, I was in the fifth grade, and that was in 1990. And I played um, for the Downers Grove Panthers, great program. Um, and I, I did not make the travel squad that year. However, the year after, in 1991, when I was in sixth grade, I made the travel squad. And that was when I was, I became just a hardcore, fell in love with football, wanted to watch it as much as I could. And <clears throat> actually grew up watching Notre Dame football. So I was a Notre Dame fan to an extent as well. But I f- flipped on the TV and this was right at the beginning of coach Steve Spurrier's career at Florida. And these guys were chucking the ball all over the place and I was a sixth grader and I was playing quarterback and I was like, man, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, obviously it helped that they were winning a bunch of games and winning sec championships and stuff like that. So it was, it was, uh, an adolescent attachment that ha- has just never left me. That's the honest truth about that. And obviously it, we, it, it, it's helped that they've been good and won championships. I'll never forget the 96 championship with Danny Werfel as a sophomore in high school and I remember they got their, their, their butts handed to them earlier in the season against Florida State, and they come back in the Sugar Bowl and beat them for the title. It was one of the most memorable experiences uh, as a fan. And then obviously the Tebow years were great, uh, and it's just one of those things where it was, I, was, I was a preteen, and I just fell in love and have been in love ever since. Yeah, it's better than me being a University of Illinois fan. You've had a little more success than uh, uh, they had, uh, even though we took Ron Zook from them. It still didn't yeah. come over very well. Um, I, I rooted for them to beat Ohio State back when Chris Leak was the quarterback and Tim Tebow was a freshman. Uh, I was so glad when Florida beat Ohio State in that national championship. That was a great game, uh, too. Oh, and then I got to see Chris Leak. He was on the Bears. We went to the training camp, got to see Chris Leak. And I was like, he is a short – he was small. I didn't realize how small he was. But to be that way and win a national championship, I was like, good for you. You're you're a hardworking player. Yeah. Uh, he was smaller than Rex Grossman. That's when Rex Grossman was still on the Bears. I think that was 06 or 07. I think it was that yeah. long ago. yeah. It sure was, yeah, because he, yeah, Chris Lake, he was a senior in that championship year. Yeah, you're right. And then I, I guess you could say I was a Florida fan. I, I love Tim Tebow. How could you not love Tim Tebow? Um, so I rooted for them, unless they played Alabama. Then I kind of stayed out of it because I'm a big Nick Saban fan. So I kind of stayed out of it when that happened. I was like, I'm just going to watch it to watch it. Uh, if Florida wins, Florida wins. If Alabama wins, Alabama wins. I'm okay with mm-hmm. it. Uh, so what's it like going back home, essentially, going back to the University of St. Francis? You, you played there, now you're coaching there. I know COVID's kind of changed everything. But if we get back to normal, what does that mean to you to go back and say, I'm going to coach for the school I went to? 
I, I, I really have to stop and think about how blessed I am because now you're talking about, I, I got to go back and coach at the high school where I played. And now I get to go back and coach not only at the college level, but at the college uh, where I played. And so it, it is, it means a lot. It means a lot to be able to not only have an opportunity to, you know, I, I was spent 15 years as a high school coach. I always had aspirations of making it to the college level. Now this is by no stretch of the imagination, a full-time college coaching position or anything like that. But at the same time, it is very meaningful to be able to go back to a school that, um, you know, quite honestly, I probably didn't have as much pride in as I should have when I was a student athlete there. Um, and, and it's special, though, in the sense that our head coach, Joe Curry, is a friend of mine. We were teammates together at St. Francis as players. He is actually – he was my next-door neighbor in the dorms. So we have we have quite a history of, of uh, you know, sweating and bleeding together and uh, getting up early for off-season workouts. And I remember him – he'd wake up and bang on my door to make sure I was awake every morning to make it to, to early morning conditioning uh, during the off season. Uh, we would always jump in the car together to go to off season strength workouts and this and that and the other. So um, it, it's very special. It's very special to, to go back to a school that quite honestly was really the only place that I was going to go play football by the time I, I was done playing high school ball. Um, it, it was the only real opportunity that I had. Uh, to go and play at the next level. And that was always a dream of mine as well, to play college football. So uh, to be able to coach at the college level and to be able to go back home is cannot be understated how special it is to me. Yeah, very happy for you that you go back. I don't think a lot of people can say that, you know, they get to go back and do that or even think that they can go do that. Um, so I think you touched on it earlier. It might be a short answer. Um, have you been able to do anything with the team, any meetings, Zoom meetings, anything like that? I know COVID changed the entire world of how this is going. Um, everything got pushed to the spring. So I don't know if you've gotten even to do anything yet. So we, we were, when I had uh, officially accepted the position, uh, we were, yeah, we were in the midst of, of quarantine and whatnot. So we were able to meet uh, my, myself and our, 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 um, our other receiver coach who works with tight ends and inside receivers were able to get together on a zoom meeting so I could meet some of the guys and kind of get to know them a little bit. And in the meantime, we have, it's, it's kind of strange, but I have been kind of involved with recruiting. So I've been reaching out to different student athletes during, during this time uh, since being hired and, um, trying to get trying to get dudes for our program, and it's interesting just having built relationships over the years with different high school coaches, you know, around the state. Just kind of being able to reach out to those guys and, and be like, "Hey, man, I'm over at St. Francis now. So if you got any dudes who you can send our way, please let me know." And that's been really uh, a fascinating part of this whole thing. So really, for me, it's just been uh, we've we had some coaches meetings over the summer as well, uh, just. For especially, I'm I'm not the only new hire. So for us new guys, kind of getting to to learn the ropes, not only of of the college level itself, but also our offense specifically, and and starting to learn that and the terminology, and um, and then just getting after recruiting. Those those have kind of been how how my 
my time has been spent so far before obviously going back and starting school again, because I, I teach junior high as well. So uh, I just came up with some of these questions off the top of my head. So has that been the biggest adjustment, I guess, is recruiting? You know, a lot of guys say, you know, football's football. It's always going to be the same. Uh, is recruiting like the biggest adjustment you think you're going to have to make besides, you know, COVID kind of changing things, but is that going to be the biggest difference? So I'll preface this by saying the original agreement between Joe and I was that I, I would have no recruiting responsibilities unless I asked for them. So of course I put my foot in my mouth uh, and said, Hey, I, I have, <laughs> I have these relationships with these coaches. Uh, let me, let me help out a little bit. So that, that kind of evolved into, uh, um, you know, a certain responsibility that I now have. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's interesting because at first it, it was different just because it's different. I had never done it before and there's not exactly a right or wrong way to do it. I think everybody, as long as you're being yourself and you know, you, you, you talk to people and my experience of, it's kind of like the first day in the classroom. You, 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 you're just be you. And as you get to know your students, you, you talk to them a certain way and you develop a relationship with them. It's the same thing with recruits. So I'm going into it as uh, with, with the idea that the, these guys, I want these guys, they're potentially going to play for us. So I want to get to know them. I want to talk to them with respect and be able to have, you know, candid conversations and Hey, how I like check in with them as if I, I were uh, already coaching them. So I have a, obviously a list of, of recruits in my contact list that I'm, that I'm reaching out to every once in a while via text message or whatever. Um, and, and just making sure, especially during this time, everybody's staying upbeat about, you know, in the state of Illinois, the IHSA moving the, the competitive season to the spring, just making sure guys are getting, getting right in the classroom. And um, yeah, so that, that adjustment is, I, I, I suppose it's been made like the first couple of phone calls were a little, a little strange. You know, I'm, I've never, I've never been, you know, a lot of, a lot of college guys are like used car salesmen or whatever is kind of the stereotype that, that, that goes along with the recruiting aspect because they're able to, to talk to them a certain way or whatever. So it was kind of, as you mentioned earlier, being thrown into the fire, uh, I kind of jumped into the fire as far as, as far as the, <laughs> the recruiting aspect of it goes, but yeah, that's a, that's a big piece to, to the puzzle. You know, at, at this point, if you can coach, you can coach. It's going to be who can get get guys who are, you know, number one, going to be great additions to the university as students, and then obviously be able to contribute to the program, hopefully, in, 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 as far as being football players. So that that's it's been an adjustment. I like to think that the adjustment has been made, just because the more you do something, obviously, the more comfortable you get with it. Uh, and at this point, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of I don't want to say setting that on the back burner a little bit, but my, my contacts have been uh, a little bit more spread out now that I'm starting the school year. And I was honest, I was like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a junior high teacher. I'm starting the school year. Uh, don't be, don't be uh, uh, bummed if you don't hear from me for a couple of weeks, because I got kind of my, my, my plate is full right now, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's been an adjustment, but like I say, I think, I think we're there and, really ready to get after. So next week we're, uh, we're doing some, some conditioning with our, our current roster. Um, essentially what happened for the NAIA came out and said, we're going to push the championships to the spring, but kind of left it up to the individual conferences to decide uh, we're going to play games. You can start playing games in September 
So uh, a handful of the conferences said, yeah, we're going to play fall ball. And a handful of conferences, ours included, uh, the Mid-States Conference said, no, we're going to push uh, our, com our competitive season to the spring. So I'm really interested to see how it goes. I was trying to, to think, it, think it out and be like, all right, so you guys are going to play in the fall and then take a break for like a couple of months here and then come back and, and potentially play in the playoffs or whatever. I'm really interested to see how that goes. Yeah, uh, with college, I'm kind of curious to see how playing in the spring and then turning around playing back in the fall, if we go back to normal, it's going to work. Uh, it's all going to be interesting. Uh, one motivation I give the high school kids is we'll be the first team, high school teams in the state of Illinois to play spring ball. Like, that's never happened before, so that's a motivating factor, I yeah. think. Um, now, you let me know if Josh Golden over there, one of our East Aurora kids, gives you some trouble. Uh, we'll, we'll make him right if he gives you any problems. <laughs> No problem. He knows better. He knows better. Um, so, Coach, that's all I got for you. Um, you have any final thoughts, anything else you want to say on here before we uh, sign off? Well, I just appreciate the opportunity to talk, man. It, it was great uh, finally connecting with you and then talking, hearing your voice and, and being able to hopefully contribute here. I really appreciate the opportunity. And uh, good luck to you in your new position. I know you're going to do well over there. And, and uh don't uh, don't don't take it don't take it out on Hinsdale South too much. They still have a special place in my heart. So unfortunately, I'm going to have to root for them when you guys are playing them this year. No, you need to tell them to uh, not blitz me as much. If you tell them not to blitz, I'll be okay. You make sure they just stay where they're at. Don't move. I'll be fine. <laughs> uh, but I appreciate you coming on. Um, so everyone out there, stay safe and thanks for listening. I'll see you guys on the next one. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.